are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Well, good morning, everyone. I used to work for somebody who said, if it reaches 90 degrees, you don't have to wear your sport jacket. So that's where my sport jacket is at home. It's so good to be with you here today. We're sometimes reminded that each day is a gift not to be taken for granted. In a spirit of gratitude to God for this day, I will share glimpses of a life journey that prepared me for a moment in the presence of God that changed the course of my life. I must temper my story by confessing to an imperfect faith life, one that depends on this faith community to be nurtured. My story is nothing more than a reminder of what we mean to each other in faith, just one story of many that exist here in this room. Let's open with a prayer I'll offer as an adaptation of a prayer um, written by a Methodist pastor named Ted Loader in Guerrillas for Grace. God, gather us now to be with you as you are with us. Soothe our tiredness, quiet our fretfulness, curb our aimlessness, relieve our compulsiveness. Let us be easy for a moment. Lord, release us from the fears and guilts which grip us so tightly from the expectations and opinions which we so tightly grip that we may be open to receiving what you give, to risking something genuinely new, to learning something refreshingly different. Amen. Our scripture reading today is taken from Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, You whom I took to the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. This passage is from what many theologians now refer to as second Isaiah, as it is thought there were three Isaiah authors. The first chapters written by the prophet Isaiah had harsh words for warning Judah about the need for repentance before the Assyrian assault. The second Isaiah spans chapters 40 to 55, some 150 years later, which was towards the end of the Babylonian exile. As Lawrence Boat wrote in his book, Reading the Old Testament, second Isaiah has the quality of psalms of praise as though the writer knew of the imminent fall of Babylon at the hands of the Persian King Cyrus. So the words, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Give hope in a time of Israelite uncertainty, weakness of faith, tiredness, and aimlessness. My good news story is about experiencing the presence of God. There are many dimensions 
uh, of the presence of God in biblical text as well as in writings today. My story emerged from a time in my life when I was beset by tiredness and sadness, anxiety, uncertainty, even moments of exhilaration. It involved intense prayer like I had never prayed before in my life. But first, I need to back up a bit and set the stage for how my understanding of the presence of God emerged in my life and how it led to that moment in prayer. My earliest recollection of serious theological engagement happened when I was in Sunday school, when I heard the story of Doubting Thomas insisting on proof of Jesus' resurrection. Now I was concerned about the fact that I bore the same name and perhaps the same fate. Well, I was about seven years old at the time, but it's interesting to me why I remember that story, partly because Doubting Thomas has come back to me from time to time in my life. I was probably pretty much like most kids going to church in those days. My parents got tired of my fidgeting in church, and they gave permission to my older brother and me to skip church sometimes and go to Grandma's house where I could always find a chocolate cake or a fresh coffee cake. Now, Grandma, of course, was in church, but Grandpa stayed home in those days. But as I grew into my teen and high school years, I began a pattern of more regular attendance of church services. I recall the strict teachings of Reverend and Mrs. Martin at First Presbyterian Church in Dubuque. But it was the appearance of Reverend Wayne Lowry whose teaching sermons began to catch my attention. As I sat attentively listening to his sermons and those of guest preachers, it was the guest preachers who noticed my listening attentively. Over the course of a year, there were three incidents of seminary students and a University of Dubuque seminary professor approaching me after the service to encourage me to consider a life in service to God. This was eye-opening to me. It made me wonder if God was really there acting through these guest preachers. I won't claim that I was a passionate believer in Jesus Christ or the presence of God in my life at that time, but I was becoming more aware of my faith. Indeed, I used my Christian faith as an excuse to get Cindy's father to give permission for our first date. <laughs> I proposed to take her to a Billy Graham crusade at our high school auditorium. Seems like a logical progression of faith, right? Well, maybe Billy Graham was certainly uplifting and motivating, but I suspect I was as much thrilled to be on a date with a young lady. <laughs> By the way, I married that young lady 53 years ago. Tomorrow. Wasn't supposed to tear up. <laughs> in high school, I began to realize a growing interest in the natural environment. I was influenced by the 23rd Psalm, going way back to required memory lessons in catechism days. The first three verses instilled in me a pastoral perspective about the physical world where I could, where I could be with God. With coaching from Reverend Lowry, I decided to put on hold thoughts about how I was to serve God in my life. In ensuing college years and early married life, I had experiences that seemed to confirm God's presence in my life, but
but I was not really active in church until I arrived back in Dubuque with Cindy and two daughters to take a faculty post in biology at Clark College. A few months after arrival in Dubuque, I became an elder at First Presbyterian Church. Uh, before long, I was involved in a variety of committee roles, church mission study, co-leading with Ken Hinman, a multi-church multi hospital fund drive for the Cameroon, teaching adult classes at Westminster Presbyterian Church at the invitation of Ken Hinman, guest sermons and getting to know faculty at UD Theological Seminary as well as professors from other campuses that I taught with. It was in that mix that I met Don McKim, professor of theology at the University of Theological Seminary. We ended up doing a series of we ended up doing a series of presentations on science and theology, starting with a shared presence of a televised panel discussion that led to discussions of the presence of God and how the natural world can play into that experience. I told Don that I felt like I could experience the presence of God when I was out in the natural world. In his book, Presbyterian Beliefs, A Brief Introduction, a great read if you can find a copy, it's been revised recently, so it's pretty up-to-date. McKim calls this general or natural revelation. Some Reformed theologians upheld this notion of natural revelation through scriptural interpretations. But Don told me back then, as now in his book, that all Reformed theologians would agree there are things we need to know about God that we cannot get from natural revelation. He calls this special revelation, and I quote, we need a revelation that tells us special things, gives us special knowledge of God beyond what we could ever know by our human reason or by observing the world around us. What he means is that the scriptures are the special revelation. The scriptures are the word of God and the means by which we learn who God is, how God enters our life, and what God has done in the world. In short, at this time, I was enmeshed in all the goings-on of my faculty role with students, my church and spiritual life, my family life. I agreed with Don that my sense of God's presence in my life would not be complete without the church experience, without the teachings of Scripture, without the presence of people in the church, and without prayer. But I do have to confess that my prayer life is not always consistent with what Charlie has admonished us to do. The Dubuque setting was in the 1980s, and by 1987, I reached a critical point in my life that began to overwhelm my, overwhelm my sense of who I was and my path forward. I loved teaching, but my faculty post had no future. My father was terminally ill. I had a growing family. I had an opportunity to take a church relations position at the University of Dubuque Seminary. I had just finished a fascinating course in Old Testament as a special student at the seminary, and I wondered whether I should enroll as a full-time seminary student along with a friend. This collision of events and circumstances left me with a sadness, a tiredness, fretfulness, a sense of aimlessness. What was I to do? I sought the reassurance of God as offered in Isaiah 41.10, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. This was a moment of truth for my faith. I decided to pray in a manner described today by Ruth 
Haley Barton in her book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. She describes her own troubled journey that took her to an approach of seeking solitude and quiet, letting God's presence into her heart. I needed those elements to pray. I found solitude and silence in the quiet of our home when Cindy and the girls were fast asleep. It was 10 p.m. I settled on my knees in quiet and then in prayer, and I acknowledged the pain of caring for my dying father and all the uncertainty in my life. I tearfully admitted to God that I did not know what to do, and I could not move forward without God's help. Please, Lord, help me understand what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to serve you? How do I take care of my family? That was the first and one of the few times that I have prayed in tears. And I went to bed hoping God was listening. There was that doubting Thomas moment again. Conservative Christian writer R.T. Kendall, in his book, The Presence of God, writes, God may be pleased to show up in our lives in a way which you and I have not remotely thought of. Well, that was certainly the case in God's answer to my prayer. The next morning, I was preparing to start my first class of the day, and I scrolled through my notes on the overhead projector. I had a habit of writing an outline of the day's lecture so students could follow along. But then as I came to the end of my notes on the lecture outline from the previous day, there was more, several pages more, on that overhead projector. There was a series of images depicting the many learning experiences and methods of teaching and expressions of thanks, ending with hearts from my students. I was stunned. I blurted out without thinking, who did this? How did you do this? When, when did you do this? Four senior students that I had in class since their freshman year managed to find the door to the classroom unlocked and came in at 10 o'clock to write on the scroll the very moment I was in prayer. Well, you might say I was gobsmacked. <laughs> For a moment, I stared in silence past the students. They actually became concerned and apologetic, and I had to snap out of it and express my appreciation for their support in my time of difficulty. I didn't confess to them until years later what had happened to me in that moment. It was as if God was saying, Thomas, are you listening? I think sometimes God has a sense of humor. God answered my prayer. God called me to serve him through my life as a teacher. With the Ted Loader prayer, Lord, release me from my fears and guilts that I may be open to receiving what you give to risking something genuinely new, to learning something refreshingly different. And so it was that I took the risk of moving my family from Dubuque to Des Moines for a five-year period building a new educational unit in the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. Then I took a faculty position with the University of Wisconsin Extension, retiring 21 years later as a professor and administrator. Through those years, I had many different teaching types of experiences, teaching people in classroom settings, helping new faculty to get into their careers. How I treated people according to their needs without regard to their personal beliefs was, imp was important to me. 
whether through individual interactions or in group settings, I always sought to support and encourage people and organizations, sometimes finding paths out of conflict and finding common ground. My Uncle David, a very conservative but dedicated Christian, once lamented to me that he never heard God speak to him. I found this surprising. He and my Aunt Marge met in a Bible school in Chicago and led one of the most dedicated Christian lives that I've ever come across. But it was a very conservative Christian life. I suspect perhaps in his more uh, in literal understanding of God's word that he was waiting for a dream or maybe a voice from on high, I don't know. A lesson here for me was and is that God may speak to us or answer prayer through the words and actions of people around us. Just as you may recall Melissa Schmidt's Good News sermon on encouragement a few weeks ago. Of course, we all experience joys as well as new pain and sadness as we travel the path of life. God is here for us in both good times and bad. We may at times feel lost and hurt like the Israelites in Babylon, but be assured, God is with us today here in this room. Amen.